All right, welcome everybody. Welcome. We'd like to draw your attention as we prepare to begin our program. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Just like to invite everyone to come and join us as we begin this auspicious celebration and occasion. Today we're going to be celebrating 25 years of publishing positive news for Yamoja magazine. It's called a mirror image. The village reflects on his on itself. And I like to start off by saying that I've heard from many in this building and many who have already viewed the art exhibit which runs from the back all the way around the corner and even across to the CCB of the City County Building. And I'd like to make note that this has to be, this exhibit has to be the, by far, the greatest exhibit in the history of the Madison Municipal Building. This exhibit has brought more life and more energy and more light to this building, in my opinion, in the history of any other exhibit that has been presented in this building. And that's the power of unity, a lot of folks working together, and I'd say that that is the power of Yamoja. I'd like to start with some, with the opening prayer, a very simple prayer. And that prayer is, thank you, Lord, for blessing us to be here today, to take part in this very wonderful occasion. Thank you for the publisher. Thank you for everyone who has come out to celebrate with us. Bless this event in your name. Before I move on, I want to get the permission of the elders. And as you look around, we are surrounded by a number of elders, a number of people, those who you may know and recognize, and those who have come and gone. If we can just pause for about five seconds, the permission of the elders. Thank you. I'd like to invite the curator of this exhibit to share some words. And I'd like to say a few things before she comes. Uh, Catherine Goray, I've never met a person that works as hard as she does. And I tell you, she gives us a run for our money over at Zion City. I've never seen her wear out. Uh, she's always active and always busy. But my wife said something a few weeks ago that when Catherine met Malele, she met her match. <laughs> and I have to agree, 
that since she's been working, I finally saw Catherine tired. <laughs> and those of you who know Malele know that nobody works as hard as Malele. Even when she's not 100%, the woman still can't sit down. <laughs> At this time, help me welcome Catherine Goray. Habaragani. Omoja. Can you say it back? Habaragani. Omoja. Omoja means unity and it took a whole team effort to put up this display. So if you worked on this display, I'd like you just to stand up for a second. If you have helped put up, there's many people around the room that have helped. Okay. I had the word curator put on me. I'm not sure I'm worthy of the word curator. Malaylee is really the one. Miss Malaylee is the one with the vision. And Miss Malaylee tried to tell you that she is not an artist. And that is so far from the truth because she has total vision about how she wants the show to be and how to bring it together. I had the honor and the pleasure of handling these works of art. I had seen a lot of the originals. Standing right next to me is one of W.E.B. Du Bois. There's a cover that goes with this. And this was painted on the 150th anniversary of W.E.B. Du Bois. It is a magnificent painting, and it's painted by Henry Hawkins. And as I handled the work, I realized how many people I knew that had painted this work. I actually long-term subbed for Jerry Butler when I first started teaching. Henry Hawkins was my cooperating teacher. Linda Mathis and Fabu are going to be teaching with me this summer in a Saturday studio program that we're going to be offering at Science City. It is an honor and pleasure to handle all of your work. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. And we are so blessed that Malaylee had the vision to put real artwork on the covers of her work. But I've given her a nickname. Because, you see, she says she's not an artist, but I'm calling her the undercover artist because she is right here under all the covers of a mower. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kath, Catherine. Before we go on, I want to invite uh, remarks from our very own Mayor Paul Soglin, and as he prepares to come, if there are any alders in the house, please meet me back here. I want to get your name so that we can properly acknowledge you as the program progresses. At this time, help me welcome the Honorable Mayor Paul Soglin. Well, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, I've known Mullaly now for over, I guess, 40 years. Um, she has had a profound impact on our city, on the people who've worked in the city, uh, certainly uh, upon myself. 
And as I go through uh, this proclamation, which was recognized by the City Council last night, would you keep in mind the tens of thousands, if not over hundreds of thousands of people over the decades who, whether they know it or not, have had their lives changed and changed for the better because of the work of Mulele. She has worked with diligence. She's been tireless. And more times than any of us can recount, she's been correct. And that's... Uh, that's something that uh, she doesn't she doesn't boast about, but I think needs to be recognized. Whereas, and I'm going to not read the rest of the whereas is just the important stuff. Whereas, in the many roles that she has taken on throughout her life, from civil rights activist to advocate for social change and from founder, editor, and publisher, photographer of Umoja magazine to mother and grandmother, Malele Shikasa Anana has made countless contributions to the Madison community, having a lasting impact on all that knew her. And Ms. Shikasa Anana served as the City of Madison's first Affirmative Action Division Director, She's also recognized as being the first African-American to serve on a Wisconsin school board. Her achievements offer inspiration to girls, women, and communities of color to achieve their full potential. During her tenure as the Affirmative Action Division Director, Ms. Shikasa Anana founded the Minority Affairs Committee, currently known as the Multicultural Affairs Committee, which works to increase cultural awareness and promote the importance of diversity within the city of Madison by creating an environment that assures the recruitment and retention of diverse employees. And in 1993, Ms. Shikasa spearheaded the utilization of the Madison Municipal Building Lobby to display Black History Month exhibits this space is now formally known as the Madison Municipal Building Art Space and continues to host local art exhibits year-round. And Ms. Shikasa Anana founded Umoja Magazine in January of 1990. This publication is dedicated to sharing positive, encouraging news and spreading the word about achievements, events, celebrations, and special occasions within the African-American community. And in 2015, Umoja celebrates its 25th year of publication, making it the longest-running magazine to primarily serve the African-American community in Wisconsin. And by using original artwork as cover designs, Umoja has helped to increase awareness of black artists and their work, while also sharing the stories of struggle <clears throat> and victory within the black community as they are told 
by each piece. And in honor of Umoja's 25th year of publication, Umoja cover artwork will be displayed in the Madison Municipal Building art space during the months of May and June of 2015. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Madison Common Council and the Mayor of the City of Madison do hereby recognize the dedicated service and outstanding achievements of Malayali Shikasa Nana, as well as the 25 years of positive and enlightening contributions made to our community through the articles, announcements, and artwork published in Umoja magazine. So. Now, there's, there's, there's just one more thing that I, I want to add, and then I am not going to sit here, but I'm going to go sit in the back where I can observe uh, the ceremony, uh, because up here you can't see anything, <laughs> except you folks. No, but I want, to, I want to go back to something where I emphasized some words, where I said that... Uh, the artwork will be displayed in the Madison Municipal Building art space. Well, the other day I walked out of my office on the fourth floor of the City County Building, and up and down the walls are all of these covers and artwork from Umoja. And I think symbolically it's very important because throughout her life, no matter what space was assigned to Mullaly, <laughs> she managed to invade and take even more. And that's a good thing. Thank you, Mayor. You know, when she calls my name, it just throws everything off. I got to pay attention. <laughs> I got to tell you that, that Malele insisted that we not make this about her, that it's about the community. But Come on, you, you can't think of Malele and not think Yamoja or think of Yamoja and not think of Malele. And I know that Yamoja is, is not proprietary, but for me, to me, it is Malele Chikasa Anana. So, Malele, I'm sorry, we can't do this without honor acknowledging you. Twenty-five years. 
Anybody here still have the very first magazines? Or I heard there was somebody. Yep, see, there's one. She, she, your aunt has them. I'm sure Malele doesn't even have the, the, the first one, see? And, and yet, all of us here have been um, just so blessed to have uh, Yamoja in our community. At this time, I'd like to, to move on with um, some words from uh, Department of Civil Rights Director Lucia Nunez. Help me welcome her at this time. Thank you very much. Um, 25 years for a magazine is significant, especially because of these things. Who doesn't read books on this or uh, all the different iPads, etc.? Nobody buys magazines anymore. Nobody buys books. So for a magazine, a local magazine, to survive for 25 years, given the competition of online, is a wonderful achievement. And... And I was glad that Catherine is the one who said that there's a creative genius behind this, um, because it does take someone to pick the artwork and put it together and all all that goes behind that. And there is a creative force, which we usually we think of Malele as a publishing force, as the one behind the editorial pieces. But I think there's a creative piece and a creative eye that also needs to be recognized. Because as you walk around here and go across the street, the artwork that is displayed here is spectacular. It's spectacular, and it's something that we need to look at, and I wish we could look at every day. Um, we need those positive images, those beautiful, strong images, to counter some of the, the images that we see otherwise in the media. So this is beautiful to walk. I can't tell you the number of people that I have had comments um, that have called and said this is spectacular we love this um, and I watched her when she was working with someone who's back there to put this up she was there with a measuring stick and making sure that everything was perfectly placed so that creative genius really is Malele and we thank her and we appreciate having these come every month because this is a work of art. So thank you. Is Annie Weatherby uh, flowers in the house? She's, she's okay. All right. All right. Uh, at this time, I'd like to ask um, Dave uh, Zwiefel from the Capital Times. He's the emeritus editor. Uh, Dave is coming uh, to share a few words to as well. Help me welcome him. I just came to watch today, but I was strong-armed by a woman named Malele. <laughs> but I just want to say, uh, she wanted a fellow journalist up here, and uh, I don't think I'm in the same class as she is. But, uh, I just want to, I can attest to the quality of this magazine all through these 25 years. Uh, I knew Malele when she was on the school board. How many years ago was that now? <laughs> uh, and uh, we've known each other a long time, and uh, she, I have the utmost professional respect for this woman and all she's done and this quality magazine she produces and proves that good news can still sell. And that's, uh, and that's a real compliment to her. 
And besides, you know, she's one of the sweetest people I've ever known. And uh, that's saying a heck of a lot about a journalist, right? So congratulations on all these years and uh, on these incredibly uh, spectacular covers that uh, you have produced. Uh, that, that says a lot about, you know, even the New Yorker magazine doesn't hold up to this flame. So, so thanks again. All right, we're going to whet your appetite a little bit uh, with some spoken word. Uh, this is a performance by a young man that um, I, I really uh, think highly of. I had a chance to listen to him and his vision, and he's going to come at this time. I think he goes by Willie Wright, and Willie's going to share with you a spoken um, word performance at this time. Willie? How y'all doing? Um, I didn't know all these people were going to be here. I just thought I was doing a little bit performance. Um, I did do some research on Emoja. I'm from New York City. Um, I had a daughter. That's why I'm out here. And it's a beautiful place. I love Madison. But what you learn in New York City is that unity is very important. You know, Emoja is the heart and soul of a city, right, because it takes a village to raise a child. So I appreciated the knowledge that I gained from understanding. I actually ended up reading a couple magazines, and you really are undercover artists. There's a lot of you throughout the magazine. So if you don't believe you're an artist, you truly are. And I want to thank you for having me and thank Zion City for having me. I wrote this short piece, and then I'll do a musical selection. Um, it's called uh, Dear Emoja. Dear Ancestors, it's been a minute since I felt you. This strong, surging with energy in a world so far removed from unity. Even when you sleep, separation replays on TV screens. I haven't seen anything like this. My father, all 74 years of him, says he's seen this before. I said, what, the chaos? He said, no, what comes after, the emoji. Give me one second. believe in the ancestors and hope it's going to work. It is very last minute. Um, this song is dedicated to Tony Robinson and the lives that are taken by false information. Last verse of the album, wonder what people might say. I really don't care though. I've been spitting the written like when Jordan was pippin. A one-two combo like when Kobe was spitting. You hear me written, trickin' spittin's like I'm Charles Dickens. How about the frame? I'm bearing you all witness. This is not a game. I'm changing the fall picture. If you in the way, you'll be part of Paul's scripture. Who was fiction on me? Not yet, but I get with a best of the tech. I'd be the best. That's unfortunate. Rap, I'm fortunate. Not the average player know the game because I'm fortunate. A lot of people want to let this go. Let you know this ain't the end. Let this flow. Hold on tightly. Way up high. Don't let go. By the time we all come down, you don't know what. So I say that to say, I say that, you know, people don't listen to what's really going on. My father told me that there's a, you know, there's real things going on in the world, and if you don't speak about them when you have the chance, you'll miss out. So this next verse is dedicated to Tony Robinson. Um, I hope his family understands that we do feel what he's going through. And I just want to say this. Um, FT the police, they play brown ball. 
Black boys in the paint never get foul calls. Don't be worried about yelling, we need to howl more. I know a bunch of my homies who won't be down for. Another dead body, another black boy. They play well with the nines like Colt McCoy. But I ain't talking about bringing no bangers out. Moving amongst the crowd, slowing the money down. No Black Friday, no Green Christmas. Marching every day, messing up the system. Loud chance of all lives mattered. Black be the answer, cause those the lives scattered every 28. Another boy battered, we're more annoyed to angry. This thing is just tragic, and now news got plenty of number graphic. Every time they bang, they first lose the traffic. But don't you forget about the mothers on CNN, because those are the ones I think about the most. Because when the TV's turned off and the cables don't turn on, those are the ones who are still crying. So I wrote this song to say, don't you forget about them. Don't you forget about those families that you don't see. Don't you forget about Haiti that still isn't fixed. Just don't forget, you know, because we get lost in our own lives and we get lost in our own time and we just don't remember what's really going on outside of our unity. You know, and you can't be unified if you don't think about those who are not. My name is Willie Wright. It's been a pleasure serving you today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Willie Wright. At this time, uh, the next person I'm going to introduce really needs no introduction at all. Um, he is the former uh, CEO and president of the Madison Urban League, and he is the founder and CEO of One City Early Learning Center. Help me welcome at this time, Colleen Kerr. I didn't know Willie could do it like that. And this brother's been up there at night. I put, a, I put, a, I think I put that picture on Facebook of you. Brother was knocked out with his baby on his arms like this. His wife, Daziona's on our board of One City, and they've been at our organization many, many nights. You guys helping to clean and organize that building. So I want to thank you for that. Um, Ms. Malele gave me a charge. She said, Kaleem, I don't want you to talk about me. I want you to talk about community and how Umoja reflects that. And so the one question that we've been wrestling with as black people since we came here at first in 1857 was, do we belong here? And it is a question in 2015 that we are still asking ourselves, do we belong here? Every black person in this community who has set foot in this place, whether they've stayed or they left, I bet you every single one of them has asked that question, do we belong here? If there are any black people in the audience who disagree with that, raise your hand. <laughs> the challenge that we have before us in 2015, you all, is we got to stop asking that question. We have to affirm that we do belong here. But there are things that we have to do in order to get to the place where we actually can say with honesty, with conviction, with our heart, that we actually belong here. So there's a handful of things that we need, you all, in order to make sure that we're able to, to say that with honesty, with truth and conviction. We know what it takes to build a community or what it takes to be a community. But we keep asking these questions because these are things where our community 
has continued to fall short. Not falling short of effort or aspiration, but falling short of actual opportunity. We need businesses and financial institutions to tell us that we belong here. They tell us we belong here by providing us jobs. Not jobs just sweeping up at night when nobody sees us, but jobs when we actually knock on them. When you knock on the door and we open the door for you and you walk back to the counter and we're there to answer the question for you. And when you seek a question beyond that from a manager and we come down and you see us to answer your question. And when you're dissatisfied with that answer, they call the executive and the person on the other end of that phone is the person that you answer and they look like us. And then you wonder, what is this company about? There's this many black people here. You look on their website, you go to About Us, and the first thing you see is their board chairman. It's a black woman. There's not one company in Dane County in 2015 where you can see that. So that's a charge for us. One thing we need in order to feel like we belong here is we have to actually be able to see ourselves at every level of business and financial institutions in this community. Those institutions also provide us with loans and grants and opportunity. We have a number of startup initiatives in this community right now. I'm challenging my friends who are focused on Starting Block and Generator and a number of other organizations that if they really want to answer that, help us answer that question affirmatively that we belong here, we should see some of us in there. We're not seeing that, you all. Some of it is that we're not connecting with those opportunities. No one's standing there saying don't come. But no one's actually saying, hey, come here either. So if we need people, we need people to answer this question with us. We need them to reach out to us. The other thing that we need is we definitely need education. Now, I'm going to say some things because I can't. I'm not in a role where I can't say things anymore. But we've got a gentleman to my left in this Capitol right now who is eating the life out of public education. We have, a le we, have, we have legislators who are eating the life out of public education. And you all know, I don't get into the unions and vouchers and all of that stuff. I don't get into those arguments. I just look at this. We know that our children are not ready for the workforce. They're not even making it through grade school. So what do we do at a time when there's greater needs in our community? We take more resources away from them. That I cannot stomach. We cannot build a community of people who are able to take advantage of business and commerce and entrepreneurship when they actually can't read the menu at their local restaurant. Our 89% of our black children, you all, 88%, I think I just got the right number, can't read at grade level. So our educational institutions, if they want us to feel like we belong here, they can no longer say, well, there are no, long, there are no qualified black applicants because they allowed these schools to undereducate us. They allowed the schools to make excuses that it's our parents' fault for the reason why our children are not educated well. We need to stop making those excuses, educational institutions, because your charge is to help us answer that question that we do belong here. We also need our training institutions, whether it's the university, MATC, or some of these other programs around town. It's no longer appropriate for them to say, well, they just don't apply. Well, you know what? They apply, but they don't officially complete the application. 
or they come, but they don't stay. We need them to help us answer the question that we belong here. And they can start by helping us believe that we belong where they are right now. A lot of our young people don't finish because the support that they have in these programs is not adequate. We have people in those institutions who work really, really hard. But when you have a young person who comes from a community or a family where they don't see a lot of opportunity, all they've seen is their family struggle, we have to really work hard to convince them that they belong here. It's not enough just to have the resource. We have to reach out. We have to pull these babies in. We have to pull their parents in. We have to remind them that they belong here and that we expect them to do better. Housing. You can't have a community where still 80% of black people are renting apartments and housing that they still can't afford because the education that they've gotten is not sufficient to secure a job that pays them a high enough wage in order to provide for their family and sustain themselves in a quality home. But in this community, we will still ask the question, well, you know what, their credit if they just got their credit right, well, they're not going to get their credit right, bank, if you're not even hiring any people who look like them. They're not going to get their credit right, financial institution, head fund leaders, all these people that have money in this community. If you can look around your business and you've done nothing to contribute to their success by hiring some of their parents. So we need our people here to access housing. We need to flip that over. Whites have 65 percent of whites own homes. Only 20 percent of black people do. If we really want this community to feel like we really want people to feel like they belong here, we need our community to invest in these families and help them get into homes and stay in those homes. Government. Government is the greatest provider of opportunity. It is the greatest provider of welfare. You hear that? It is the greatest provider of welfare to business in this country. They provide tax cuts and tax breaks and tips and everything else to business all the time. But we don't talk about that form of welfare. We talk about the other form of welfare, which is people who apparently don't work for it. Well, guess what? Only 3% of black people in Dane County actually sit at home and incur a benefit while not working on welfare. The rest of them work, and they're working poor people. Do you know right now, the greatest percentage of workers in this community are white men, but right behind them are black women. There are more black women working percentage-wise than there are white women in this community, but they make almost half the wage that a white female makes. And why is that? Some of it is their education, but a lot of it is their lack of access to opportunity. If we want to feel like, want people to feel like they literally belong here, we have to address that issue of income difference. We have to address that issue of access to opportunity. And we need our government entities to require these businesses to do what they know they are supposed to do. If you get some money from me, I actually want to know. I don't want to, I don't want to wait 15 years. I want to know that you're hiring people who are a reflection of this community. Because if you do not, then you are also contributing to the alternative answer to that question, which is we don't belong. The last few things we need is we definitely need our parents to be in a position to provide the kind of guidance, values, protection, and emotional stability to their children. Parents, we also have an obligation to make sure that our children feel like they belong here and that we actually are a reflection 
of those people who belong by how we carry ourselves every day. It's not enough to blame it on the situation that you came from. It's about where you are right now. It's about where you are right now. There's probably not a black person in this room that can't trace their, their family lineage back to some form of suffering. But at some point we have to agree that and that we have to commit ourselves that we're not going to suffer anymore. We're going to do something different. If we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer forward. We're going to work. It took me eight years to finish my college education. We're going to take eight years to finish our college education if that's what it takes. So we also have an obligation to tell our next generation that they belong here by how we carry ourselves right now. Our faith community, they're the ones who reinforce those values, reinforce morals, and help us understand that we do believe there's a higher power that we believe in. Some people don't believe in that. Most black, most black folks are raised on that. They, as a, as a church is a central part of our community. And if Madison wants us to feel like we belong here, they have to understand that the church is central to a lot of what we do. And we need to invest in those entities in order to ensure that we actually feel, can feel like we belong here. And the last thing is history and culture. And this is what Umoja has represented since Miss Malele started this. It is the one place that we can open up every month and see that we belong here. It is the one place that we can go to and read and see nothing but beautiful reflections of black children, black mamas, black fathers, black babies. We get to see everybody's birthday. I left the community, and my birthday was still in the emoji every single year. Anybody that, that Mrs. Malele has met is in that book every single year. And guess what? And she knows this. I mean, I got, I got salt. She's, I owe her more money than anybody. I am terrible at paying for my subscription. But when I was in Washington, D.C. for 10 years, every month I got my emoji. <laughs> I think I paid for at least two annual subscriptions, Ms. Malele. But I'll tell you, it was the one thing my wife, she's in Milwaukee right now at work, but she would tell you, we looked at that thing every month because we were able to stay in touch with what was going on here. We saw new black people coming. We saw those new black people leaving. We saw black people who were rising. We saw children we were working with who were now getting their college degrees. This magazine has been the one thing that has held us together in this community. So I want to challenge the city council. You might only be able to lease this space out or use this space for two months. But by the end of these two months, you all, we really honestly should figure out where this exhibit could be for the rest of our lives. I am dead serious. We don't take this and put it somewhere where nobody can see it. And it's got to be, it can't be in the hallway of some social service agency, okay? It's got to be somewhere that everyone can see it. So I want to challenge this council. You guys come up with some money and challenge the rest of the community to provide some resources to provide a long-term space for this exhibit and other things that this community might do to be able to stay there forever. So I'm going to say this with Ms. Malele. I'm going to shut up. You are the history of our community. You own it. You not only have talked about what's happened in the last 25 years, but you have reflected everything that has happened since black people have come here. 
It is our walking Rolodex, our walking archives that many of us have in our hands. And Annette, I want to thank you because you have made me feel relevant. And it is through that magazine that even when I question, do I belong in a city that my family's been in since 1907, longer than most people here, I'm always reminded that I do belong. So thank you. You know, uh, Brother Care, she's going to be tapping you for the rest of that subscription money. <laughs> it's all right. We're just about there. Um, I think we're, we're doing well with our time. Uh, since they put Reverend by my name, I guess I'll take you all to church for a quick second. Just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you do know. You're at a red carpet experience. It's a red carpet event. There's, there's the red carpet. You'll be able to use it in a little bit to grab a sandwich, some fruit, and some water on your way out. I know that some of you have taken lunchtime, and we appreciate you taking time out uh, to celebrate on this uh, great occasion. Uh, we have some folks that we want to, to, to honor and acknowledge uh, we have some presentations that we want to make, too, as well. But before we get to that, I believe that Alder, uh, new Alder, Sherry Carter is in the house. Uh, are you around, Sherry? Come on up here. We want to we wanna honor you and acknowledge you today. And if there are any other Alders, please let me, let me know you're here. We, we want to acknowledge you. so honored to be here and to be at this microphone. As most of you know, my mother would tell you, if I have a microphone, it's all over, because I love to talk. But I won't stay up here for hours on end. I will say that is so, I've known Malayli most of my life. This is such an honor, because as you live, you don't feel that you're making history because you're living. And then all of a sudden you find out you're a part of it. So I really um, am honored to be here. And I'm honored to be one of the first African-American alders on the Common Council. Malayli, I hope you have 25 more years and make sure you spell my name right. Thank you. Oh. oh, thank you. Congratulations, Sherry Carter, in recognition of your election to the Madison Common Council on April 7, 2015. You will help to build the character of the great city of Madison for future generations. Your dedication as a public servant follows the imprint of other great older persons who articulated their passion for social justice, 
and the public good, such as Eugene Parks, Joe Thompson, Michael Shivers, Ed Hill, Napoleon Smith, Brian Benford, and Isadora Knox. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. The name is spelled right. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I just want to draw your attention. There is a, a plaque that says thanks, and there's a plaque that says exhibit. And the names of everyone who contributed to uh, this exhibit is listed on that plaque. I, I want to acknowledge uh, as many folks as I can Again, Catherine Gore, Roxanne Johnson, Lurley Richardson, uh, Treater Pristine, that's, uh, that's your granddaughter, yeah, daughter, and Lily Camino, and of course, uh, the Multicultural Affairs uh, Committee. In, any of members who are here, please stand. Uh, the City of Madison Multi Affairs Committee also contributed to sponsors, the Department of Civil Rights. And, of course, the Madison Arts Commission. And, of course, we have before us Karen Wolf, um, who I want to invite to say a few words. And I want to also acknowledge um, uh, Kia, Carlo, and Barb. I don't want to mess up your last name. Shrink. Okay. All right. Who are also uh, part of the Madison Arts Commission. At this time, um, words from Karen. Thank you, everyone. Um, on behalf of the Madison Arts Commission, we want to thank you and the Multicultural Affairs Commission and Catherine Gorway. You were wonderful to work with, and you set an example for this whole community about how arts can be the centerpiece and the catalyst for important community conversations and healing and dialogue. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much, Karen. I want to, I think, since we're running out of time here, or have run out of time, um, we have several artists who are here, and Malele wants to make a presentation to all of these artists. These guys are, are instrumental. They are incredibly uh, important to uh, this artwork that you, you see here. Uh, this is unique work. I don't think ever uh, has a magazine been published with original uh, art work by artists in the community on this level. And so I want to call the name of all of these artists, and there's a presentation to be made to each of you. And I'd like to start with uh, Jerry Jordan, who's in the house to my left there. Come on up front. And then we have Linda Mathis Rose. Where are you, Linda? Al Huddiston. Huddiston, is, is, is he, I know that Al was instrumental in the installation of this uh, uh, project, uh, Al Huddleston uh, here to as well. And then Henry Hawkins, and so there's a number of plaques uh, that are here. I see Fabu here too as well, uh, long-term, uh, long-time uh, poet uh, Lorette for the uh, city of Madison. And as they are coming and as they're preparing to receive uh, their presentations. I want to invite uh, for a few remarks um, Rodney Thomas from the uh, Madison School District. He is the special 
assistant to the superintendent. Um, Rodney, why don't you come up and, and share a few words at this time? Thank you for having me here. I'll just say before I uh, share a couple of words. Um, I started July 1st, 2013 with our new superintendent, uh, Jennifer Cheatham, and probably not even a week on the job, a small woman walks into my office and she says, I'm a Lele, here's a Moja, you're black. I said, yes, I am a Lele, I am, I am black. But it speaks of her tenacity <laughs> and, and the strength that she brings. Um, so I just want to say uh, a couple of words about the importance of Amoja uh, in the school district. Um, every month at our office, we eagerly await uh, copies of Amoja and also our visit from Malele. Um, you will see that because of Amoja uh, and how it's distributed in our schools, uh, within our offices that it has had a big impact on the stories uh, that have emerged from the school district. In recent months, Omoja has provided uh, stories about our new principals of color uh, that have come into the Madison Metropolitan School District, our new executive director of human resources, Deirdre Hargrove, uh, Nuestro Mundo and the dual language immersion program that's happening there, and Black History Month celebration at Frank Alice, uh, and a number of other accomplishments and activities of our students. Uh, and this just in uh, the past few issues. Amoja also tells the important stories that our community, our staff, our families, and our students need to see and hear. Uh, we work a lot with the local media, uh, who do a lot of work to keep the community up to date on local news, but there is no doubt that Amoja tells many stories that would not otherwise be told. These stories are powerful and incredibly important, and we're so fortunate to have Amoja in this community for the past 25 years. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, and thank you, Malele, for all the work that you do to make Amoja the important piece of, of the community that it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. If uh, Carla Gaines and Professor Linda Green uh, could come, uh, these will be our uh, final remarks before we have Fabu close us out with the 25th anniversary poem. Uh, after uh, Fabu closes us out, we'd like to invite you to... Um, uh, to uh, visit this uh, 25 years of uh, exhibits uh, from Yamoja and uh, take your time, enjoy. Thank you again for coming on out. We're going to have remarks again from Carla and uh, the doctor there, and Fabu is going to close us out with a final poem after you hear from these two guests. Thank you, Reverend. Um, I'm going to have my president come with remarks. Um, Soar Terry Strong at this time. She's the president of the Mass Alumni Chapter. Soar Strong. Good afternoon, everybody. Malele. She... She is something else. I know, I saw her. I saw her. She is something else. Malele has embraced um, my family ever since um, we moved to Madison. She has been a supporter of my husband. I think he's gone already um, through some trying times. Um, she's been to our house. Um, the Strong family loves Malele. In terms of being a member of Delta Sigma Theta, she's um, been a member 
for over 50 years in our sorority. Malele uh, comes to our sorority meetings in true Malele fashion. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it like that. And we listen to Malele. And we respect Malele. <laughs> we love Malele. And she has brought positive, positive news to this um, community for over 25 years. I think, uh, Malele, that Wayne still has some of those yellow papers. That was like the newsletter, um, Umoja. I think we still have some of those. So, yes. So, um, we have always, um, like I said, we've all, we enjoy Malele. We respect her. She's wonderful. And we should all celebrate her for what she does. She's fought hard to bring this news to the community when a lot of even us didn't want her to do that. So for her perseverance and um, commitment, salute, I salute Malele. Malele uh, gave me orders. Say something about Umoja. I've been here since 1989, and uh, shortly thereafter, Malele started the magazine, and it has made such a difference. I was thinking of the idea of, cu of being a curator. Malele has curated a community. She has been such a force. Whenever I talk to my mother, who's visited several times, she says, how is your friend Malele. My mother's 92. She's in Los Angeles. And she always asks about Malele because she knows that her contributions have been amazing. This is a time that we need to do everything that we can do to continue to help Malele realize her vision for this community. And what that means and I've done it myself, what that means is we need to talk to Malele about what she still wants to accomplish with the magazine, what story she still wants to tell. And we have to be there hands-on to make sure that these stories are told. And that might be something as simple as asking her, what can I do to contribute to the production of one issue of Umoja? And so that's my challenge to you. Between now and next year, talk to Malele about what you can do to help her continue to publish this important work. As Colleen said, this magazine is not only read in Madison, it is read all over the country and all over the world. And in times like this, when we are asking the question whether black lives matter, Umoja magazine answers that question with a resounding yes. Let's help Malele. Let's help Malele continue to spread that hope and that message all over the United States. Thank you so much. Thank you, Malele, for the opportunity to speak. Malele, I want to invite all of the, the, the artists, if they could just stand in front so that we can see them and, and, and recognize them and honor them uh, as we present uh, the um, awards to them. Uh, Fabu is going to come. She's going to close us out, but I want to make sure that we get this this awards 
uh, presentation into as well. Um, how, how would you like to do this? You want to put them over? Um, I, would, I would just like to give my Okay, so we have certificates that she wants to issue to as well, uh, to staff and the artists. So if you can just all gather around or get in position as Fabu closes us out. Again, I'm trying to be conscious of time here. Um, those who are on the city uh, time, uh, we want to uh, get this in for you. Thank you so much for coming out. Again, we invite you to take in this um, beautiful uh, ex exhibition. Uh, Thank you very much, Malele, at this time. Presentations, Fabu, if you would come at this time and close us with the final 25th uh, year, uh, Yamoja porn. Thank you. Malele, so, yeah, yeah, well, she, it's, it's her floor now, so she can have it. Um, okay. One at a time. Take them. Uh, Catherine right. Goray. Catherine Goray, lead curator for the traveling exhibit of Yamoja Covers, celebrating 25 years of publishing positive news for the Madison community. Your boldness, your braveness, your vision, and your persistence, I appreciate. Thank you. <laughs> Catherine literally has worked day and night to see that this um, art exhibit is here. Uh, Lurley Richardson, where are you? She also has worked behind the scenes. I said, Lurley, could you be um, help me at the podium? She says, you know I'm a behind-the-scenes person. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lurley. So this is Roxanne Johnson. Roxanne came to my office and she looked in every cranny and crook and bookshelf and under beds and in closets and found all of these emojis and took them to uh, the local framers to have them framed. She's been working since January every single day on this. I have not lifted a frame. I I didn't even know I had some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Roxanne. Now, oh, that was Lurley Richardson. Roxanne Johnson and Catherine Goray. Um, Lily Camino has also been my friend and my side, by my side the entire time. If I needed a cough drop, or I needed a pencil, or I needed some shoulder to lean on, Lily is right there with me. Lily, come right here. Where are you? Lily, Lily, you know I'm calling your name. <laughs> you, no, you sent her to go do something. Oh. <laughs> Lily, 
Lily wears about 15 hats. So, okay. I want to acknowledge my sponsors who helped to fund this exhibit. It is not a small um, thing to do. And without the financial help of these people, this would not have happened. MG&E and Annette Miller. Are you here, Annette? Okay. Uh, the Baptist Housing Ministries of Wisconsin through Reverend Porco. MATC, UW Health, Unity Insurance, CUNA Mutual with Stan, uh, Steve Goldberg, Journey of Mental Health, <clears throat> John Quinlan, Howard Lansman, the Madison Arts Commission, and most of all who funded this was Yamoja subscribers. <laughs> We've been saving our, our subscriptions over the past two years. We put them aside so that this could happen. We also would like to acknowledge in-kind contributors, Zion City International Church. Reverend uh, McNair loaned us Catherine Goray for two months. The Multicultural Affairs Committee. The Mayor's Office has been very cooperative. City Cable, um, just in the past 48 hours, has um, come here to videotape this. Diana Taylor, Wells Print and Digital, and two of my tenacious friends, Dana Warren and Howard Lansman. Stand up there. You know, everybody in life needs a babysitter, and that's what Dana is. She, when she pre presents me to the public or helps me with stuff, it's always the best. But behind closed doors, she sees that I need to wipe my dirty mouth or whatever I need to do. And so I just have relied on her so much. Sometimes I write an editorial and I'll send it by her. She says, Malaylee, we'll do this next month. Not today, but she has, she and Howard put the calendar together. I don't touch it. She, they find all of these dates and different activities. And I just couldn't exist without Dana and without Howard. I don't think Howard is here today. Yemoja um, has benefited from the large largest of a very generous community. In turn, we have tried to be philanthropic in small ways. A Saturday art studio is getting started at Zion City International Church. I am announcing today that Yamoja will contribute $500 to that effort. Yamoja and the friends of, and my friends, have contributed over $11,000 in scholarship funds just in the past two years. We offer complimentary subscriptions to those living in senior housing, those imprisoned,
and students who need them. And finally, I want to say, it took me a little while and a little convincing, but I finally got my way. I wanted everybody to know this is a gallery. It is Art Space Gallery, and the city had never boasted that. So I went out and bought a sign and put it up there. It says, Art Space Gallery. Welcome to Art Space. This is a rotating gallery. So I'm giving that gift and a couple of other signs to the city so that when other artists come and have an exhibit here, we will know that you're coming into a space of beauty and creativity. There are 11 collections in this exhibit. Um, we don't have a couple of them up. One of them is a collection of all the yellow covers. Some people remember the yellow covers. And then we have the display cases in the back. And now we have the main wall here. And you go around the corner. You have the musician's wall. And you have the um, uh, celebrating black women. And my favorite, the presidential wall and celebrating graduates. You know, I go to graduations as much as I can and sit there and cry and snap the pictures of every black kid that comes down there. I don't even know them. They could be 50 years old or 15 years old. But education is so important to us. And I know it takes a lot to get through in a big university like this, in a, in a town like this. So I just like to celebrate everybody who gets a degree. And, and people know that I climb up. I used to climb up Bascom Hill. I used to sit there and see you on campus. What's your name? Well, I, I'm, going, I'm going to take your picture and put you in your mojo. <laughs> I just love that. So that wall is very precious to me. None of this would happen without my artists. I was in the yellow page stage, and I wanted to upgrade. I wanted to move up. And I would go to Walmart and Walgreens and look at the magazine rack, and I noticed that every magazine had a picture of a person. At the time, I did not have the money and resources to do studio photography, but I wanted something special on my cover. So I said to myself, what can I do? And it came to me as I was looking at an art show that I could put artwork. And by putting artwork on the cover, I would do two things. I would introduce my people to their beauty, and I would expose the artists. Artists love to be exposed. <laughs> And so I called Jerry Jordan and Linda Mathis and Jerry Butler and asked them, would you do a graduation cover for me? Would you do a black history cover for me? And every time they would say yes. I said, oh, I got a gold mine here. And then I started going to art shows all over the country in New York City and Philadelphia. And I'd meet wonderful artists like Gilbert Young and Charles Bibbs. And I'd go up to them and I'd say, I want to put your art on my cover. No. 
And I went to one show, and the man said, you are back here again. (laughs) And he says, do not bother me, because I am sick of you. And if you call my house anymore, if you bother me anymore, if you stalk me anymore, I'm going to call the FBI on you. So I had to back off a little bit. <laughs> but the next show I went to, he saw me. He w- I was with my daughter, Amani, and he said, he looked at me, he said, you're back again. And he said, you can have anything you want for your cover. And that's how I got the cover of He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, which I think is the essence of Yemoja. And the three little girls, those are the Birmingham girls sitting in the church when they lost their lives and uh, several other pieces. Uh, I think the latest is the cover with the beautiful woman on this month's cover. I think that's his piece, too. But anyway, without my, yes, without my artist, I, I just, I don't know. Even when I didn't have the content and the substance, my artist came through for me. So I'd like for you to meet four of my artists today. I want you to see them in person. I want you to say thank you to them. And I want them to, I want you to encourage them. Um, the artists can come. Al Huddleston did about four or five covers for me. I don't think it was that many. Well, you did some covers for me. I'm interested in doing more. Yeah, okay. All right. (laughs) Extraordinary artist known for luminous detail. You have dedicated your artistic endeavors to enrich and empower our community. You have used your gift to honor the life experiences and the history of your people. Thank you, Al. Linda Mathis Rose. Linda is a retired art teacher. She not only has done many, many covers for Umoja, probably 12. But she has done murals all over the city. And the one piece that I don't have here is called Knowledge is Power. And she's got a little boy with his pants sagging down, walking in the hallway. But on his back, she has painted Knowledge is Power. That's how powerful our artists are. Thank you, Linda. Henry Hawkins. Is the he is a retired school teacher. One thing you have to know about artists, they have to make their living in one uh, one way, but their passion is someplace else. He is the um, artist for W.E. Boy uh, painting here. One of the most beautiful pieces of art I've ever seen, and I ask him. Could I use that for my cover? He was commissioned to do it by Dr. Nellie McKay for the 100th or 150th? 100th anniversary 
of Dr. Du Bois's birthday. So, Henry, I really appreciate the seven to ten paintings that you have done for the cover of your mojo. Now, somebody I have really leaned on. When, when I didn't have a cover on May 1st, and I was supposed to go to publication on May 28th, I called Jerry. Jerry, where are you? <laughs> Jerry works at the university. One thing you have to understand about artists, they're very humble and modest. And the second thing you have to understand, they tell our stories with such respect and self-respect and dignity. No matter how hard the struggle is that they have to tell the story about, they still tell it with sensitivity and respect. And just Jerry has just stood by my side. He's come to my house at midnight. Malele, here's your painting. It's not quite dry, but I think you can use it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Where is Stanley? Did he have to go back to work? He had to go to work. Stanley Soleil is a young man who has experienced more difficulties in his life than, than um, most of us. And um, he is my graphic artist. And I could not do without him. If you like the beauty of Yamoja in these past two years, it's been because of Stanley. And um, he, um, the way I found him, I was at Madison College, and I saw him walking in the hallway. And I said, who are you? What's your name? Who are you? What is your name? You know, I said that to you too, Rodney. That's... <laughs> And I said, I haven't seen you before. Tell me what you're doing here. <laughs> and tell me about your credentials. Give me your resume. Yeah. That's re I've met a lot of black people like that. <laughs> so anyway, I met Stanley. And he said, um, told me his name. I said, what do you do here? He says, I am, I'm a student in graphic design. I said, I want to see you at my house at 3 p.m. tomorrow. <laughs> he came. And so he's been he's just very, very, very creative. I'm glad I rescued him and give, gave him an opportunity because now he is working at the university as a graphic designer. He has done all the signs around here, and he did the program. He's just wonderful. So uh, last but not least, uh, Fabu. Okay. Fabu has stood by my side more times than I can tell you. And she, has, uh, she is a poet artist, both a poet and an artist. I want to emphasize that because... She, too, has unified our community through her poetry. And whenever there is an occasion, people call up Fabu the last minute. Fabu, can you write a poem for me? 
<laughs> whether it's a funeral or a wedding or a community event, I imagine she's written a hundred or more poems. So we're glad to have Fabu in our community. And where are you? Right. Where is your? Where is that thing? He's right there. I want to present Fabu with a framed article of the, her latest works. Three poems in tribute to Black Lives Matter. Thank you. So my first duty is to invite you all to the Umoja table behind us. There are covers and tear sheets that Ms. Malayde welcomes you to take. There are also previous Umoja magazines. You're invited to um, peruse and to take home with you. And last but not least, of course, there are subscriptions. If you do not have your subscription <laughs> or your organization and your organization, please take two. But we want to also say that the original artwork is for sale. And so if you're interested in purchasing after this exhibit travels, please do see Ms. Roxanne, Mrs. Roxanne Johnson about those costs of these beautiful original pieces. So we're ready for a last poem, the 25th anniversary of Moja Magazine, where we all clap loudly and wildly and say, yay! When you say Malele Chikasa Nana, you include Umoja too. When you say Umoja magazine, you cannot separate it from Miss Malele. For 25 years, they have been married as editor, producer, magazine's friends. And oh, the love they have shown everyone in our community and in this city. 25 years means more hours than you and I can ever imagine poured monthly into meticulous writing and careful artistry from Miss Malele and Umoja magazine. Miss Malele guides every aspect of this relationship from words, photographs, graphics, advertisement, and beautiful covers based on original artwork by black artists. Black artists from everywhere expressing their creativity in welcoming places to share, be respectfully acknowledged by letting their brilliance shine in Umoja. Ms. Malele and Umoja heralds, promotes, and nurtures. Many are the young people who are encouraged, strengthened, and prepared for a better life through her personal care and example. We are blessed by Ms. Malele and Umoja. Mothers, fathers, families, professionals, rich, poor, everyday folks, all of us, because Ms. Malele and Umoja, are attentive to us all, babies and elders too. We celebrate the 25th anniversary of Umoja magazine. Let us give praise to Ms. Malele for her precious time, delightful creativity, and unique sassiness evident in every issue of Umoja magazine 
published for us. Can we give her a big thank you? Thank you, Ms. Malele. Thank you, Fabu. At this time, uh, I want to say thanks to City Channel and also Lori Janis, uh, Kermit Hugo, and the rest of the M MB uh, maintenance and uh, setup team. Thank you so very much. This concludes our program.